things like going up to different tablets that have the law written on them for the second time. And uh, Moses sort of says, this time I want to see. I want to see. I'm going to come up to this tablet and see the law. I need to see you because last time they built an idol. They built this calf. And I want to see you and I want to see your glory. And so God says, yep, cool. But you're going to see my back. Right? He covers him with a rock. Some of you probably know the story. And um, in that, God, God sort of describes himself. He introduces himself to Moses. He says, this is who I am. This is what he says. The Lord, the Lord. Yahweh, Yahweh. A God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and but who will, who will by no means forgive his guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So think of God, you know, how vast and magnificent he is. He's got a moment with Moses to introduce himself, and this is how he says, this is who he says, this is who I am. And he proves that he's faithful, that that is actually a part of his nature. But also, for the end, that he will deal with sin. He will deal with that and he will finish that. And that's where we want to go this morning. So you have your Bibles. We're going to turn to Hebrews 10. We're going to look at Hebrews and um, that's going to form the next section of this message. So Hebrews 10. Show your Bibles. Turn to it if not.
tie down a boat, you'll drift off, you'll go with the wind, eventually probably significantly lost the weight or two years. I think the same thing comes to us with our hope. That our hope drifts off, it fades, you'll go with the wind, unless we tie it down to something that's dead. Unless we tie it down to something that is steadfast that's God's faithfulness. We need to tie down our hope, our confession of hope, to God's faithfulness. And that is what we hold on to. The fact that He saved us, the fact that He provides, and He's never failed us, and He will finish what He starts. And so, with that, it's important to understand Hebrews a little bit in terms of the context and who's actually uh, being written to here. We don't know who wrote it. But we do know that most likely it was a, um, a Jewish Christian audience. Um, with the amount of imagery and Old Testament language used, a Jewish audience, and basically, if you go to that time in history, most likely they're suffering persecution. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the book, a lot of themes. Jewish audience, they're suffering persecution. And in that, they've been tempted, they've sort of got the sense that they're turning back to their old ways. That this Christian thing's pretty hard. We're dying for it, we're getting persecuted for it. Let's go back. Let's go back to our Jewish ways. Let's um, go back. So, in some ways, they're being unfaithful. Or at least it's, they're considering it. And so, the author writes extensively about who Jesus is, how he's better than. Chapter 1 talks about how he's better than the angels, talks about how he's better than Moses, better than the other high priests. Better than the fulfillment of the law, and writes a lot about encouragement, encouraging the, uh, you know, the classic verse in Hebrews 12, you know, let us run in grace with perseverance, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And that's essentially the theme of the book. That in the face of suffering, in the face of hardship, that we fix our eyes on Jesus, and we find hope because He is faithful. So we're going to look at those three things on the next slide. I think we've got them there. Three points. Faithful to save, faithful in hardship, faithful to finish. Now, I did try to do a blend and make them all like start with the same letter. And then I tried to make them like way, day, what rhymes with that, and go to the Bible. I have to do it, I couldn't do it. So, that's what you've got. You have to try and remember. Alright? Is that cool? Like I said, as we go, it'll make sense in terms of the passage and where it goes. So, firstly, that God is faithful to save. To understand that God is faithful to save, we need to understand that we actually need a Savior. God's faithfulness is pretty irrelevant if we're faithful. If I'm faithful, if I'm stable, I don't need to tie my boat down to anything else. I'll just tie it to myself. Even though that doesn't work with boat imagery, we'll get back to that. You know, particularly in our culture, like I said, we're addicted to the news. We love new things, new adventures, it's exciting, let's do that, let's do that. Oh, check that out. And um, but you know, faithfulness—that's that sounds hard. Like that's commitment. All these young people are committing to do it. I don't know if like that, right? Yeah, they can't even commit to an answer. <laughs> For me, I see this most. Um, I write songs. All right, I write songs. That's like that's like my journaling. That's where I process. That's where I try and make sense of life. 
um, so I'll be driving home. I'll be in my car, and um, I'll have this thought. Either philosophical genius, something amazing like Bob Soundboard, that is, that is some good lines. Um, either it's something new, or it's like, this is a creative way to say something that everyone wants to see. And I'm like, that's good. Write it down on my phone. Race home, get my guitar out, write it on the paper. That's what this sounds like. There's two, these two lines, like, they're good. Exciting, fresh. And then I'll continue, and maybe you get the chorus, the verse, a little bit of chunk together, chunk together. And then you hear the, hear the fourth. And you go, Jesus Christ. Like, how do I expand these thoughts to actually not just be a couple of chords, but a whole song? How do I, you know, throw these concepts and stuff? And And I'll put it in my tray of our unfinished song. And two weeks later, it hasn't moved from there, and I've got another new song there. And I was going to bring you my folder, but I forgot. But I'm not kidding you. There's a stack of there's a stack of eight ball paper that big for unfinished songs. Just because I like the new idea better than the old one, and because finishing is actually hard. And I was saying, this is, this is not just a reflection of my songwriting journey. It's not just a reflection of our culture, but it's a reflection of our faith as well. That, that we get enticed by new things. We get enticed by this new idea, this new thought. And that faithfulness and commitment is actually hard. And that we actually find ourselves being unfaithful. We find ourselves wavering. We need to think of that. Then we were at the wedding yesterday... And um, part of me was sitting there and I was like freaking out. I'm like, all right, like committing to someone, making that decision to commit to someone to be faithful for the rest of your life, like, that's a bit scary. I don't know about, like, like I just fear, I have a fear of failure and making concrete. So that freaked me out. But the idea of someone committing to me and being faithful to me making that decision, like, that got me gooey inside. I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, that is awesome. And that's the picture of God. That we're not faithful. We waver from thing to thing, but God does not change. Hosea, this great book in the Old Testament, the prophetic story of God and his people. God tells Hosea, a prophet, a man of God, you know, imagine, highly respected in the culture, and he tells this guy, go and marry a prostitute. Go and marry Gomer. And so he does that. They have three children. They each have another name that tells another part of the story of God's relationship with Israel. And then she leaves. And you can imagine what people would have said and he said that was not you know what you do for you. And you know what God tells us God tells us they have go after her. Pursue her, seek her out, find her. Go to those places, go to where find her. You've married her, you made a commitment to go and find her. And he finds her and she's up for sale. 
like, that's my wife. Imagine, you can imagine the story, you know, that's, that's my wife. And the guy goes, oh, you're going to have to pay. I don't care what you say, you're going to have to pay. So he pays. He pays the price to get back his wife. So it's amazing, amazing story we say for today. And whilst this picture of this couple is grander, it's a picture of God and his people. That, that we are unfaithful. And you read the story throughout the Old Testament of the Israelites, and you see that. You see the Israelites being unfaithful. You see them wavering. They're going from this golden calf to this statue from another country and worshipping different things. And, and you think, what are you doing? We need to realize that often we're busy saying. We, we waver in our faithfulness and our commitment. We, we drift like the boat. It's not tied down, it drifts off. We go back to the world, go back to our old selves. Fall into temptations of the enemy. Whether unfaithful, wise. But the beauty is, is that God is a faithful husband and he doesn't give up. He goes after her. He pursues her. He goes into the dirty, dark places and finds her and he buys her back. He asks, What's the price? And this is life. Pay it, I'll bring him back. Because that's where our passage in Hebrews starts off, that, you know, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, that he opened for us through his flesh, that God opened the way through his flesh, that he paid the price so that we could live with him. We don't, we don't grasp God. We're the unfaithful wife. We don't sort of make our way back. I'm dead. I'm ready now. No, God grasps us. He comes after us and says, you're mine. And he doesn't let go. And that is God's faithfulness. That he's faithful to his wife to save even as we're unfaithful. See, because I think what often we get tricked into is we think that our faithfulness will lead us to joy and delight. We, don't, we probably don't think that, but we act that. We go, if I do the right thing, if I stay on the right path, if I make the right choice, things will go well, life will be fine, and um, we find happiness. But if you try and do that, you'll know that you waver, things will change, and if you enjoy your joy relies on your own walk, your joy will waver into your walk. But rather, it's not our faithfulness which leads to joy and delight, but it is God's faithfulness which leads to joy and delight. God is the unfaithful, God is the faithful one, unchanging, unmoving. You know, when we mess up, we turn back to Him. And my biggest question is when, you know, I'm catching up with a young guy or whatever, uh, we're talking about our struggles, we're talking about our sin. My biggest question is, where did you turn? Where did you run? Where did you go after? Did you turn back to your shame, to your guilt? Did you turn to pride? Did you turn to independence? Did you try and fix it yourself? Did you try and cover it up? Did you not want to talk about it? Or did you turn back to Jesus? Because He's the faithful one. 
And sometimes I think, you know, that God is less concerned about living per- us living perfectly and more concerned about that we run back to Him when we mess up. Like, because He made a way. He made a way for our forgiveness that we may live with Him through His blood and sacrifice. He made that way so that when we do find ourselves in our ways, or when we do waver, that we run back to Him. That is the way that has been open. And that is how we will do it. In 2 Timothy, it says this, 2 Timothy 2 verse 11, If we have died with Him, we also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. But if we are faithless, He remains faithless. If we are faithless, He remains faithless. That is our God. we turn to him because he is faithful. We hold on to him because he is faithful. If you know about life, you know that we aren't the only ones that waver. But that actually sometimes life wavers. There are things out of our control. Sickness, death, jobs, all kinds of things, relationships. It's in these times that we also need to find somewhere to tie down the boat. That we also tie down our boat to God who is faithful in our hardship, who is faithful in our suffering. And um, it's just our hope and his faithfulness. And um, I want to read, if you've got your Bible, you want to turn to Lamentations 3. It's kind of one of my favorite, it was one of my favorite verses, and now it's become one of my I've got an African painting in my room that's got this verse on it. But we're going to read a different chapter. Lamentation 3. Um, I don't have it on the screen, so, but you can listen because it's, it's, um, it's pretty freeform, but it's good. Lamentation 3. It says this, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and brought me darkness without any light, surely against me he turned his hand again and again the whole day long. He's made my flesh and my skin waste away. He's broken my bones. He's besieged me jealously with bitterness and tribulation. He's made me dwell in darkness like a dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He's made my chains heavy. And though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stone and he's made my path He's a bear lighting in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He's turned aside my steps and he's torn me to pieces. He's made me desolate. He's bent his bow and set me tight to his arrows. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughing stock of all people, the object of their taunts all day long. He's filled me with bitterness and has saved me from evil. He's made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes, and my soul is bereft of I've forgotten what happened to you. So I say my endurance will perish. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the door. My soul continually remembers it, being bowed down with me. I don't have that fixed in my memory. But this is what I have in my memory. 
But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord endures. Your mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope. But this, but this, that all this is going on in my life, things out of my control, but this, I call to mind. Like John was saying, we need to teach ourselves to, to remember and teach ourselves to say these things. But this, I call to mind. In light of everything that's going on, but this, I call to mind, and therefore, I have hope. Steadfast love of the Lord endures. Great is his faithfulness. I guess this is key to me, that, that God's faithfulness doesn't just mean that he rocks up at the end and says, how good is that? It's all over now. But God's faithfulness is that he is here by our side in every moment. That mercy is anew every morning. That is faithfulness. Not just that, here I am, I'm here to say good day, told you I'll come. But no, I'm here, I'm walking this journey day by day with you. Hold on to my hope because of faith, my faithfulness. And I'm here each day. There are mercies new each day. That is faithfulness. You know, I like to think of it like this. When I was, um, when I was a little kid, um, I remember my jam was like 13. Oh, probably still like 12 or 13. And um, probably showed a few of them. I was a bit scared of the dark, alright? Don't judge me. I was a bit scared of the dark, alright? And so I had a night job. A night like this. There's nothing like. It was just the pure dark. Like if it was door closed, everything's dark, like that's scary. If there's a night light, all good. Eventually I progressed to just having the door open. even in the darkest hour, this is for me a picture of God's faithfulness, that even in the darkest hour, that there's still the night light. That no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bad life gets, that he keeps the light on. That there's always a new mercy to see. There's always a new reason, you know, like we sang that song, all of my life in every season, you're still God and I have a reason to sing. That no matter what happens in life, as life wavers, as things change, that we can hold on because God keeps the light on. That's where we find hope. Not in the fact that God will come and fix it one day, He will do that, but that God is here today and keeps the light on. Therefore, we can't sing. It is well. We can't say that it is finished. We can worship and we can praise because. No matter what, that there is light somewhere in the dark region. And that is defined in the person of Jesus. So whether you're in the hard times, or whether they're going to come later this year, or in the next few years, or whenever it comes, look for light. Look for the night light. Because God keeps it on. 
look for the mercies that are new and fresh every morning and hold on to hope. Declare that this isn't the end. That God is faithful and he will finish. Tie down the boat. Don't let the boat drift off. Don't let your confession change. But hold on to hope and anchor yourself to God's In that all, God is faithful to be there, but he is faithful to finish his work. Like I said at the start, God, God, in his nature, is going to deal with, he says he's faithful, and he says that he will do that, that I'm going to finish that, finish what he started. Yeah, that, that God is going to finish the song. Later in Hebrews, it says that he's the author and the perfecter. Like I said, it's easier to start a song. Perfecting it is another thing. That we're actually all part of God's project. We are part of God's kingdom. And for me, God's project, God's kingdom works on two levels. It works on a macro level, like the world and everything, and it works on a micro level, micro level, you and your life. And if I had to try and find one way to sum it up, it's this. It says at the end of Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I'm making all things new. That on a macro level, making all things new. Micro level, you and your life, me and my life, he's making me new. He's making me more like Christ. That is what God is up to in this world. If you're here today, I reckon that God is part of God's project. That God is making you new. God is making you more like Christ. Whether that's been going on for a few years, whether that starts this morning, it's a great thing. John actually quoted it before. I must have just forgot my whole message. I didn't even send it in my notes. Philippians, Paul writes, I'm sure of this, that he, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. That he who began a good work, he will finish it at the day of Jesus Christ. So at the end of the Hebrews passage there says that we have to encourage each other, stir one another up, stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are doing, but encourage each other all the more you see your day approaching. What is your day? What is your day? What does that look like? Turn to the Jewish audience. Throughout the Old Testament, you can read about the day of the Lord. Prophets speak about it a lot. But there's this day of the Lord that means something. Essentially, it's this that, that the Jews understand that God is going to directly intervene into history. That God is directly going to come and He's going to rescue His people. There's an element of salvation. He's going to rescue and save His people. But that meant that He's going to defeat the enemies that surround Him as well. And that He would set God's people up in the land. There would be peace and prosperity, and that was sort of the Jewish understanding. Throughout the New Testament, the day of the Lord doesn't come to the day of Jesus, it comes to the day of Jesus' return. The idea is still the same, that Jesus is going to come with judgment and salvation. And he's going to finish what he started. You know, just last night, obviously, we went to Revelation, it's pretty fresh. The end of Revelation, you know, is that picture of heaven. Says this, then I saw a new heaven and a 
new earth. God claims more things than this. That there is a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem. Coming out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride. Adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying. Behold the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. The former things have passed away. That's the preview. That's the sneak peek that John gets in terms of where Jesus is going with this whole thing. That God is making all things new. That he is faithful and he will finish that. There will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more hardship. So we hold on to his faithfulness that he will finish what he started. But we know that the kingdom of God is not just a future reality, but it's also a present reality. That God's faithfulness doesn't just mean that the kingdom of God will come one day, but that it's here and now and we taste and preview and a part of it. That we do get the mercy seat every morning, that we do get the life that John has. So therefore, in the last slide we have a few reasons, a few things that, that Hebrews is saying. Throughout the passage, there's three things that says, let us. Let us do this, let us do this, let us do this. Let us draw near with full assurance, knowing we receive the same testimony. Let us hold on to our confession of hope without wavering. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, encouraging each other and not neglecting and it has, each, each letter has a reason for it. And if you know with little kids, I know because it's teenagers and youth, but some of you may relate better to little kids. If you say, don't do this, what do they do? Why? Well, they ask why. Most of them just do it. Good ones ask why. <laughs> don't, don't touch that. Don't touch it. We have a fireplace at mum and dad's house. Don't touch it. It's the first thing I do. But if you say, don't touch that, that's hot. They'll get a bit closer and they'll go, ooh, it feels a bit warm. I won't touch that. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, if, you, if you focus too much on do's and don'ts, then eventually they'll just do the do's and We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, and therefore we run the race with perseverance. That we focus on the reason that we hold fast. Why? Because He promised us faithfulness. We draw near because God has made the way. We encourage each other. We meet together. We keep stirring one another up. Not in banter, but in you know, stir one another up to to love and to good works. Why? Because the day is approaching. The end times is here. That there's actually, when we focus more on the reason, when we focus more on God and who God is, then we live that out.
encouragement this morning that we hold fast to the confession of faith. That we tie down the boat. Tie down the boat to God's faithfulness. And as our, you know, ourselves and our sin and our brokenness, we waver. As our world and its sin and its brokenness wavers. That our hope will not That our hope will not waver because he's in control of this faith. We're tying down our boat to his faithfulness. That he will finish what he started. That he will keep the light. He will provide mercies fresh every morning. He will walk the whole way with us. We're sinning to the end. God is faithful. He'll be faithful to his bride, the church. So with that, I encourage you guys. We, you know, one of the things is that throughout Hebrews and throughout the Bible, the Bible is much more concerned with our faith than your faith. I know that sounds a bit counterculture and a bit weird and probably a thing to say. But actually, the new, like the Old Testament is all about God and his people. The New Testament is all about the church. Every letter is written to a group of people, not necessarily to an individual. That God is concerned about our faith, not just yours. We go to church so often we don't know what's God going to say to me. Or we don't often ask what's God going to say to us. That we actually need to encourage one another. We need to build one another up. That especially the day approaches that this is about us together. Walking the journey together and that our faith. That totally changes the way that about church and think about life. That I actually have a responsibility for your faith. You have a responsibility for my faith. And the person next to your faith, that they have a bit of responsibility to care for each other's faith and to encourage each other. And so, like I said, I, what I'm going to do this morning, like, I don't want to just leave it out in your journey and I'm going to hold on to faith and I'm going to be faith, um, I'm going to hold on to that because God's faith. Like that, that's really important, and I, I'm so willing to do that. But almost the biggest concern for me was that we need to hold on. That we need to hold on to hope. That we need to speak hope. We need to have a confession of hope because God is faithful to us. Our faith, not just your faith. Each other, we build each other up. It's our faith that builds. And so, with that, I guess what I want to do is just, just really quickly that we respond to that. That, that we'd actually respond to okay, what's God doing in my heart? What's God doing in our hearts here? And um, basically, it's really simple. If you go, I feel like my life is wavering. I feel like that. I keep, I'm unfaithful. If you feel like that's you, that I've been unfaithful, I've been doing the wrong things, I've been running away to other things, I've been loving another person, I've been going back to the world, I've been going back to my old self, I've been tempted, you feel like I've been a bit unfaithful, but I need to run back. I need to run back to the way that he is faithful. If you feel like that's you, just put your hand up. I, I can see if anyone's got eyes closed and mind, but that's just down there. If that's you, just put your hand up. 
you feel like you can for others that you know, actually know this is more about you know, my life, our world is wavering, there's hardship, there's struggle, there's, there's things breaking down around my life, there's sickness, there's relationships falling apart, whatever it is, you feel like life wavers a bit, put your hand up. I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'd like to just bow our faith. So we're just going to stand and pray. And what I thought would be cool is I thought it would be cool just to pray the Lord's Prayer for me. Just sort of, I forgot to put the Prayer. The Lord's Prayer says, Our Father, all of us, Our Father, hallowed be your name, be worthy, grateful, and awesome. Kingdom come, you come quickly, today, give us quickly, give that day quickly. Help us to do your will. We are unfaithful. Give us that daily bread, give us the mercy of you, please rely on us, give us what we need for today. Lead us not into temptation. Help us not to be unfaithful. Help us to forgive. So, why don't we just pray that to